in Augusta and surrounding areas. Welcome to this edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As we pondered what the show would be about today, I really struggled with what I would talk about. Uh, as you may recall from last week, our show was focused on the transportation special purpose local option sales tax. Uh, we had uh, Andy Crossland from the CSRA Regional Commission come in and talk to us about that. Because at that time, we thought we were preparing for elections on March 24th. But guess what? There's no elections next week. Um, due to the coronavirus pandemic, everything in our lives have changed, including things as significant as elections. As you may know, Georgia was one of the first states that decided to postpone uh, the elections, um, followed by several other states to the point where yesterday, I think only three states actually held their presidential primaries. So the plan for now is uh, we will vote on May 19th, which was planned as our local election uh, for this time. Our local commission races, uh, state representative races, and several others are going to take place on May 19th. And we're going to postpone voting for our presidential primary as well as the uh, peace blocks vote until that day as well. So that will be a big day at the polls for uh, all of us. Um, that is May 19th. Uh, for those who are wondering what happens if you had already begun to vote, if you had cast your vote early, if you submitted an absentee ballot, uh, what we are told is that those uh, votes will be held. I know my son was one of those. He came home a couple of weeks ago from college, and I was on him to go cast his vote. He did it, and now he's in a complete holding pattern with that. Uh, but... Uh, that is uh, part of what we're dealing with, and I think it reflects the seriousness of our coronavirus uh, pandemic, that everything possible in life has changed as a result of this. Uh, in light of that, uh, I will be talking about coronavirus some today. Um, as I was talking to folks about what I talked about, it's like, Mom, really? My daughter was like, really, Mom? You're going to talk about that? Uh, everybody's talking about it. It's everywhere. How could you possibly do that? So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about coronavirus today. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, the census effort. Uh, and, Nick, and I'll talk some to preview next week's show. We're also going to touch upon coronavirus uh, next week. Hopefully we'll have uh, Dr. Philip Kuhl, who is the chief medical officer at Augusta University uh, Medical Complex. Uh, he will hopefully be with us as a guest. I put in a request for him. Uh, so hopefully he'll be able to join us and give us some uh, updated details. Uh, as I think about coronavirus, uh, this, the closest thing I can say that this reminds me of uh, goes back to 1994. Uh, I was assistant city manager for the city of Albany, Georgia at that time. And uh, I had been told that as assistant city manager, I would be the public information officer in the event of any natural disaster. Uh, so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's fine. You know, there'll probably never be a disaster anyway, so I, I didn't think very, about it very much at all. Um, but lo and behold, about a year and a half after I got on the job, there was uh, a 500-year flood in Albany. It was the biggest flood uh, since the 1800s in Albany, biggest flood on record. And I wound up being responsible for keeping the public informed about that. Uh, I would go on the news at 6 a.m., 
I would go on the news at noon. I would go on at 6 p.m. And I would go on at 11 p.m. Um, it was necessary for me to make that many trips to the various news and radio stations because the information was changing and evolving. Every couple of hours, there was something different. Uh, likewise, with this pandemic, I think we're in a similar situation where the information changes on such a regular basis that uh, there is a reason it justifies the continuous news cycle that we've seen uh, with that. And um, it will uh, continue to be that way for quite some time from, from what we're told. So uh, right now, I'm going to talk today, talk a little bit about uh, the basics. A uh, friend of mine, Dr. Donna Adams Pickett, uh, who is with Augusta's, Augusta Women's Health and Wellness Center, 3652 J. Dewey Gray Circle, 30909. Uh, even though she's an OBGYN, she has a PhD in microbiology, and she posted some very useful information on her Facebook page a few days ago. Uh, I'm going to share some of that information from Dr. Adams Pickett with you uh, today to give you the basics, and then uh, next week we'll talk uh, in additional detail with uh, Dr. Cool about uh, the current status. As I indicated, things change from day to day, from moment to moment. Uh, there's new information that we need to keep updated on. So uh, we'll have him next week to talk to us about whatever the current state of the information is about coronavirus. I also understand that Medical Associates Plus on this particular station will also be providing information uh, so that WKZK uh, can do the best they can to make sure you know what you need to know. Um, the first question people have asked about the coronavirus is, uh, what is it and why do they call it the novel coronavirus? Uh, it's called that because it's a new strain of a virus that's been associated with the common cold, respiratory and gastrointestinal illnesses. What is unique about this particular strain is that the severity of the symptoms uh, is such that it can uh, turn fatal. So, yes, it is similar to the common cold, but yes, it can turn fatal, which that, that makes it different from a common cold. Um, in terms of spread, I think we've all heard it um, in terms of uh, it's basically droplets. You know, you sneeze, you cough, you blow your nose. If any of that gets on someone else, face, eyes, etc., it can cause infection. Uh, also, there's debate if you've heard about how long the infection lasts on solid surfaces. Let's say somebody sneezes, uh, touches uh, a garden rail, a desk, uh, telephone, anything like this. How, how long will it stay there? Um, there's debate now. I've heard anywhere from a few hours to a few days. So um, that's why it is so important to protect yourself. Uh, one of the other things that is extremely important is um, knowing how long it takes the symptoms to appear. I know a lot of us are sitting here thinking, oh, you know, I feel fine. Um, I was in contact with so-and-so with a big crowd yesterday, last week, uh, and I feel okay. Well, that's good that you feel okay now, but it may be anywhere from two to 14 days before you start feeling any symptoms of the virus. Uh, like anything else, there's an incubation period, um, and that incubation period we know is at least two weeks. 
Uh, that's the best information we have right now. Uh, so watch yourself day to day. Um, that's why it's so important to just stay in because you could be in a position where you're already infected. You could be in a position, therefore, where you may be able to uh, transfer uh, that to somebody else and you don't know it yet because you don't have any symptoms yet. So, so be very, very careful about that. Uh, one of the other things, a question that I saw posed on uh, Facebook from a friend of mine uh, was, so they're telling you if you feel sick, there's not a cure, but you can need to stay in your home uh, for 14 days in a, in a quarantine sort of period. Uh, what are you supposed to do in that 14 days? What, what treatment is available to you? The first thing to understand is that um, because it's a virus, there are no antibiotics for uh, COVID-19. Antibiotics are only for bacterial infections. Antibiotics may be used if bacterial infections occur secondary to immune compromise from COVID-19 infection. So what they tell you to do in terms of care for yourself is a rest, which is good for all of us. Most of us don't get enough. Hydration, which is extremely important for all of us. Uh, fever control, uh, something for the cough, and a histamines for running nose and decongestants uh, are the only treatments that are currently available for you. Um, there is right now some research going on in terms of discovering a vaccine for this disease. I happened to see someone yesterday who was in an initial trial for that, but that is just that. It is an initial trial. So uh, we don't know um, if that's going to be successful. We don't know if that's going to be what it takes to work uh, for us, um, but uh, at least we know that those efforts are underway in order to try to protect us uh, from this. Um, I was uh, talking uh, yesterday uh, with someone, in fact, it was a Facebook post of my own, and I was uh, talking about how I felt like the coronavirus has painted all of us in a corner. Uh, and it's not so much that I feel like it's unnecessary because I know it's necessary. I know why it is. Um, I know why they're giving the advice, medical experts and our government officials are giving the advice that they are. I mean, the reason they're giving us that advice is that that's the best way right now uh, that we have to make ourselves safe. So uh, you notice everything is closed. I mean, my, I thought my last resort was going to be the YMCA, but I got an email from them saying that they were closing down as well for a couple of weeks. So um, they just want to take every possible precaution to make sure uh, that we can remain safe from the effects of this virus. So I understand why we're doing it, but it still seems so constraining to me. Um, that we are trapped in the house, um, not able even in many instances to go to church. Um, I like to say that the only difference between this and what would have happened in 1960 is that we have at least the internet to keep us uh, entertained uh, while we're at home. But uh, this is really a difficult period for us. I saw Dr. Doris um, Kearns Godwin on CBS Morning News this morning. She said, this is probably the closest thing to World War II. The closest thing we've experienced to this is World War II, uh, where everything in life just changed for the population. There was rationing of supplies. A lot of things that typically were available were not available during that time period because 
Uh, everything was needed to support the war effort. So it fundamentally changed the way people lived. And I think that is uh, what we're seeing right now with the coronavirus. I'm one of those folks that does not mind being at home. I'm pretty much a homebody anyway. Um, but I don't like being told that I have to be at home. You know, that's, that's one of the things that is tough for us to get used to. Uh, but I understand, again, it's necessary. Uh, one of the big things that I learned from the flood of 1994 when I was in Albany, uh, as I was part of uh, that, leading the communications team to the public with that, was uh, the best thing I could do for people was to, A, tell them the truth. If there was something that I didn't know, uh, I needed to make sure that I made that clear to them that I didn't know uh, and that we would try to get answers and come back to them later. It was also incumbent upon me and the rest of those who were uh, in leadership positions in local government at that time was that um, we get the answers and we stay up to date, we keep the communication clear so that they understood that we were really working on their behalf. So we have to take that as the responsibility of all of our leaders, state, local, and federal government in this instance. Um, we have to uh, hopefully establish some trust in uh, what is happening and, uh, and follow the directions. At the end of the day, it was a matter of us giving instructions to people, A, reassuring them that it was okay to stay calm, it was best to stay calm, and second, uh, making sure that they followed the directions. Uh, in that particular instance, one of the biggest directions we gave out was don't drive through any standing water. Uh, be careful if there were blockades on the road. Those blockades were there for a reason. So don't try to drive through those. And also, if there were uh, fire trucks, police vehicles, uh, if there were police officers, firefighters, if they were coming to your house and offering you uh, help and assistance in terms of getting out, that you just do what the folks tell you to do. Uh, one of the most heartbreaking things about that particular situation for me was that uh, we had one uh, couple, it was a married couple, uh, lived in a one-story apartment building. Uh, the uh, first responders had been by on several occasions to tell them that it was time to leave, and uh, they just refused to go. They said they wanted to stay at home. Uh, that's where they were comfortable and that's where they wanted to be. Well, the water rose into their home to all the, all the way to the ceiling. Uh, the man and his wife got up on the rooftop. Uh, they sat there for a while. Um, the woman decided that she wanted to try to venture back into the house and she drowned inside her own place um, because they had the opportunity to go earlier. They didn't go. Uh, so the man stayed up on the rooftop and eventually uh, he was airlifted by our public safety personnel to safety. Uh, but his wife was gone. So the lesson there was follow the instructions. So as difficult as it may be uh, not to go anywhere and to uh, gather only in small groups, I mean, even in some instances where that limits uh, families' ability to gather, uh, even though that is the message and it's tough, I ask you to please comply uh, with those instructions because at the end of the day, uh, those folks are there. They're giving you the best advice that they can give you, uh, and um, they want to make sure that uh, you are 
are safe uh, to the to the best extent that they can uh, provide advice to us. So please, again, stay calm. Uh, I also thought through the theme verse for this show being uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. It talks about, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So uh, keep that in mind. God does not want us to fear uh, there have been plagues, there have been epidemics and pandemics before. Um, the best we can do uh, is to not allow uh, ourselves to be overtaken by a spirit of fear. So please stay with us in regard to that. Uh, the other topic that I want to hit today uh, is in regard to the U.S. Census. Uh, this is 2020 Census. Time, uh, hopefully, since the last time I was on the air with you, you have received your census forms in the mail. Uh, the census is counted as of April 1 of every year, and that is mandated by law. Uh, the form started going out on March uh, 12th, somewhere between March 12th and 20th, uh, is when all of the forms are supposed to be mailed out by the government. Uh, please, if you see something that comes from the U.S. Census Bureau, you go ahead and open that and you go ahead and take it seriously. Uh, I have been told that there are some uh, fake or phony census forms out there um, that may be uh, geared toward getting you to give up information uh, to certain people that don't need to have it. So please make sure that when you look at that form, it clearly identifies itself as being from the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, there, as I said, there have been at least, I think, three mailings that I have received. Uh, the first mailing was just a card, postcard, let me know that the form was coming. Uh, the next, I got the form itself. And next, I got a letter with some personally identifying information. There's an ID number on that form. So unless you've got the ID number, uh, unless it's coming from the Census Bureau, uh, please take heed uh, and make sure you're filling out the right form. Um, this census effort is especially crucial uh, to all of us. One of the things that uh, we, particularly in the African-American community, often ask is, why don't we have shopping centers? Why are we in a food desert? Uh, why do we not have the resources that we feel like we need to have in our particular community? Well, guess what? One of the reasons you don't have it is because the Census Bureau does not have accurate information about who uh, is where and who's in your community. Uh, in some counties in our region, uh, we've got a, uh, uh, I'm actually working with the Greater Augusta Interfaith Coalition, and we'll talk more about that later too, uh, but uh, I'm working with them in developing a strategy for uh, completing the census and making sure that our hard-to-count populations are accurately counted. But looking at some of the data that I have reviewed through that particular project, it indicates that our undercount in Richmond County, in some neighborhoods, is probably over 30%. Some are neighborhoods that undercount may be as much as 50%. So we've definitely got uh, hard-to-count areas here in Richmond County. Um, one of the other things I've learned as I've worked on this project is that there are three groups that tend to be most undercounted. Those three groups are ethnic minorities, 
uh, and specifically African-Americans and Latinos, because we tend to be more suspicious of any process that's coming from the government. Um, next, small children, that is children from zero to five. You know, somebody will have given birth to a child and, you know, the child's a newborn, two weeks old. They may complete the form for the rest of the household and they say, well, you know, do I really need to add her? She's only two weeks old. Yes, you really do need to add her, even though she is only two weeks old. And the next group is African-American men. Um, there is a good deal of data uh, saying that even though African-Americans generally are considered a hard-to-count population, men more so uh, than the rest of us. So uh, please take this seriously. Um, this is the information that uh, we need to have in order to ensure that our elected officials uh, and businesses and any others who uh, need good data have it. This is the way that they get it. Uh, if you don't fill out the census forms right away, and also let you know this year there are changes with how that is done. Used to be you had to fill it out by hand and you mailed it back in. Uh, nowadays, it's also available online. This is the first year, 2020, is the first year that the census is going to be uh, available. You can respond to it online. Uh, and I guess you have seen that if you've opened your mail, you've seen that already. If you haven't, please look for it. Uh, there are, uh, that is the most, that's quickest, most efficient way to do it is online. But if you don't have access to computer, you can always just put it in the mail like you always have to. Uh, so please be wary of that. Um, if I, as I think back on some of the decisions, basic decisions that are made, I talked about things like the food deserts and getting more shopping centers and grocery stores in our neighborhoods. Also, though, I want to talk about um, how governments make decisions. Um, when the fire department is deciding where the next fire station is going to be located, what do they look at? They look at census data. Uh, when the school system is deciding where they need to build a new elementary school, they look at census data. Uh, you will have noticed, I know many of us have looked at a school system, they'll build a brand new elementary school and from the day that it's built is too small. Um, there are more kids than they had anticipated. Well, one of the reasons for that may be that a lot of folks are moving into the area, but also may be the inadequacy of the data that they received uh, from the Census Bureau. So basically, the census is a way for us to help the government help us. It is a way for us to help businesses help us uh, because everybody needs accurate information in order to adequately serve us. So. Uh, please, again, I can't under, um, can't overestimate the significance of us uh, completing that census uh, in a way um, that is that gives folks no excuses to ignore us. They've got to know that we're there. Uh, other thing also in terms of political boundaries, uh, right now you're in a uh, county commission district, you're in a um, uh, congressional district, you're in a state house district, uh, those district boundaries are drawn based upon the census data. So this impacts your lives in so many ways. Uh, when the federal government decides what resources we're entitled to in this community, let's say for important functions like weatherization, even uh, housing rehab through our community development block grants and CDBG uh, funding, community development, block grant funding, home funding, 
all of those funding decisions are made based upon census data again. Uh, if they don't know how many people are here, what their ages are, the programs that are devoted to uh, residents of a certain age, um, that, that information all comes from the census and we may not get adequate resources for those sorts of things uh, if they don't know how many people are here and how many may be in need. So uh, please keep uh, those things in mind. Uh, the theme that I mentioned earlier was about following the directions. Um, my daughter used to babysit a child, and uh, that child was so accustomed to, to following directions, she would say, if my daughter did something that wasn't quite right, she'd say, you're not following the directions. Well, all about life is really, at the end of the day, it's about following the directions. So let's listen to uh, our medical officials as they talk to us. I know it, it gets uh, boring, you know, we're listening more about coronavirus. No, no, no. But uh, we've got to keep listening because the information does uh, update so frequently uh, that what was the best advice on Tuesday will be entirely different by Thursday. So uh, please keep listening, keep your eyes and ears open. Um, again, this is an effort on behalf of the government in the most, um, most difficult time that, that we can find ourselves. Uh, and we need to seek the best guidance that we can. Also, with the census, that is another exercise in following the directions. Uh, the census has been around for many, many years, uh, and uh, the government's found it necessary to continue to do it, find new and updated ways to make it happen. Uh, so let us follow the directions in terms of creating, um, uh, giving a, a, a good count. Uh, we've got several local organizations that are working toward ensuring that uh, those hard-to-count populations are reached. Uh, I mentioned the Great Augusta Interfaith Coalition, of which I am uh, doing some consulting work for, helping them plan and strategize uh, on the ways to best reach those hard-to-count populations. Uh, there is also Fair Count. That was an organization that was founded by gubernatorial candidate uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, and they're working uh, really hard to um, statewide to address those counties that gathered a, a ton of data to identify uh, those counties statewide that have the uh, hardest to count populations. Uh, believe it or not, there are some counties in the state of Georgia where uh, last year the count was less than 50%. Uh, um, the accuracy of the count was deemed less than 50%. So uh, many of those counties are some of our poorest counties in the state of Georgia, and they're going to remain poor unless good information is out there. Um, federal government cannot help you. State government can't help you unless they know uh, what they're working with. So um, in all things today, uh, my overriding message is uh, stay with us. I know sometimes uh, following uh, or there's distrust among uh, us among various levels of government. Uh, but this is one of those times where uh, we're going to have to be factual. Uh, we're going to have to look for the facts, which is to say we look for the facts. Uh, we're going to have to gather information for ourselves. If we don't trust one source, let's find a source that we can trust um, and, and listen for what is uh, state-of-the-art information. And uh, we just have to move forward again, trying to follow directions and do the best that we can. Uh, as I close again, I want to talk about 
Uh, next week's show, I do hope to have uh, Dr. Philip Cool, Chief Medical Officer from Augusta University Health, uh, with us next week. And uh, as I said, the information changes on a regular basis. So we're going to see what the updated information is at that particular time um, so that uh, you can protect yourself, protect your family, and protect your loved ones. Uh, I think one of the other trends that you probably noticed if you've been following this at all is that uh, the uh, disease coronavirus is much more uh, uh, pronounced in older populations. Uh, they said uh, young children, typically they do quite well. Uh, it's the older folks that have an issue. Uh, if you look at the data, I was looking at some data yesterday on who was affected by this, and almost everybody who has died so far has been 50 plus. Most of them are 60, 70, and 80 plus, uh, which is to say that we really need to care for our seniors and protect them uh, as well. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today for this show. Um, uh, hopefully this has been information that benefits you, uh, both in regard to the census as well as in regard to uh, the coronavirus. And as I sign off as usual, I tell you, uh, that for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute uh, to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering your wisdom for decision-making to make sure that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. As always, if there are suggested topics that you want uh, to bring to my attention, if there are uh, sponsors who are interested in learning more about sponsorship opportunities for this program, I encourage you to reach out to me via my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Uh, there's a contact page there where you can leave suggestions for me. And Tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. And note, we do have a revised time now, 1.30 p.m., because local matters. Thanks for being with us.